Welcome to America's Healer with Dr. Jason West. Dr. West and his guest experts are about to open your eyes to a whole new perspective on the medical world. Now, here is your host, world-renowned Dr. Jason West. Hey everyone, welcome to America's Healer with Dr. Jason West. And you guys, I am so excited to have a good friend, a consultant, an advisor, and everything. The reason why we have the name of this show is because of my friend Carl. He's joining me within studio. And just a couple of housekeeping items. Number one, we're going to be talking about healthcare and some of the advantages and pitfalls and problems and, and solutions inside of healthcare. That's number one. And that's what's going to be coming over the next couple segments. We also wanted to thank our sponsors, which is the West Clinic and also Personalized NAC, which is our, our brand that helps us formulate custom supplements. And then, of course, we have a doctor training program. One of the most frustrating things that I hear inside of my office, and it happened three times today, is people from out of town, you know, one from Texas, one from Florida, one from Utah, that was saying, Dr. West, I wish I would have found you or someone like you a long time ago. And so we started off a doctor's program, a training program called Henry's Guild, which is one of our sponsors. So again, circling around, we're excited to talk about healthcare. And I'm really excited to talk about it with a really good friend of mine who's really, really smart and gives awesome insight, named the show for me, helps me every month with uh, making sure that we can deliver on the patient experience, and that is Carl Stoddard. So, Carl, as we get ready to start, I mean, there's a big agenda that we have, but I also wanted to tell people a little bit about your pathway. So, tell us a little bit about how you got into healthcare. And obviously we want people listening to know some of the advantages of working our way through the system, which I think you're going to give some great insight on, but how did you get involved in healthcare? Well, that's a long story. I'll try to give the uh, shortcut notes. Basically um, I have an accounting degree, got my MBA and I was doing uh, basically what's called financial planning and analysis for a big company called on semiconductor and another companies out there. And I have a brother who's a dentist and a brother who's a dermatologist. And I thought, you know, this might transfer well to their business. And so, you know, for the last 10, 11, 12 years, we've been, I've been developing that skill set, starting in their business to do analysis and bring it to doctors and dentists. So basically just transferred something that was happening in corporate America. Uh, more of uh, um, big companies have this, this function in them. And so I, I brought that function to, uh, to doctors and dentists. Yeah. So Carl, I've experienced this. Um, so Carl helps me with, with the understanding numbers and some other things, but what I'm also really fascinated about is, and I was thinking we were going to get this later, but here's the perfect time to, to answer this because so many times when we talk about healthcare and affordability of healthcare and the healthcare costs, most people think, Oh, all of that's going to the doctor. And so I really want to like your insight. You're looking at the at the you're pulling up the hood and you're looking at the engine of the doctor's practice and it's not going to the doctor. No, it's definitely not. You know, one thing that people don't realize and you wouldn't see this looking at doctors numbers. The doctors are aware of this, but if you were to look at their P&L, you wouldn't see this is that they have a huge student loan generally that they have to pay back. And the student loans of doctors in the last 10 years is significantly different than doctors of, say, 20 or 30 years. You know, that's more money, uh, education costs more. And so doctors have to ask for more money just to pay their student loans. And that's just to survive. Yeah, just to survive. And so that's uh, driving up the cost of health care. And that's a cost that nobody even realizes except for the provider themselves. Uh, We've seen with COVID that, you know, the cost of employees in the last two years has really skyrocketed. It's really jumped. And then the cost of software, I mean, everything has jumped. Supplies have jumped. Softwares have jumped. And um, yet the top line amount that insurances pay you has either stayed the same or actually went down in some cases. You know, some cases went up, but generally it's kind of trending down. And so that only leaves one place for it to be trued up. And that's with the doctor taking a little bit less. And so that's why one of the reasons why you're seeing doctors leave healthcare, And of course, those that are left, they're like, okay, we're going to charge more. But they can't charge more because the insurance basically sets a bar that they have to that they have to maintain. Yeah, and, and this know? this program, like I know you've got, I'm excited to talk to you about what you know the doctor experience and everything. This program, like it's a little bit more geared to like people looking for solutions. And so I do want to kind of circle back and just say, look, when people are like, oh my gosh, here's the cost of healthcare. 
again, it's not going to the doctor. So who's it going to? Well, it's going to the suppliers. It's going to software companies. It's going to employees. It's going to insurance companies. You know, the insurance companies aren't concerned about the quality of health care. They give the worst solution. They don't give the Cadillac solutions. They give like the worst solution just to get you by. I could actually tell a personal story about this. Now, wait a minute. And I'm, of course I'm being uh, facetious, but insurance is your friend, right? They are not your friend. Insurance is looking out for themselves. And a lot of times what you see with insurance is that they start, I actually think there's some collusion between the insurances and Medicare and Medicaid. They may not like me saying this, but you notice in some places they're starting to, uh, you know, they know their prices. And so they kind of like, model their pricing more and more after what a Medicare or what a, a Medicaid like, you know, might price, but it's not just the price. So they pay less, but it's not just what they pay less is what they ask the provider to do. So the provider spends a lot of time filling out forms, filling out charts is supposedly supposed to help uh, increase patient care and quality. But I don't think it really does. I think it's just uh, a waste of time and it's more kind of CYA activity for most doctors that are in the insurance world especially those that are accepting Medicare and Medicaid, those requirements even go up higher. And so um, typically in business, you do something called risk reward. And so um, the higher the risk, they should be, uh, you know, I want to say this again. So the higher the risk means you should get a higher reward. But with medical, that's exactly the opposite. So in the case of Medicare and Medicaid, it's super high risk. It's the highest risk, but it's the lowest reward yet they are starting to own the market. And so if you're a doctor that accepts insurance, the odds are you're going to accept Medicare because that's a population that's continuing to grow. So the odds of you not taking Medicare is, is slim. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Medicaid, there's a lot more people taking Medicaid as well. And so if you added Medicare and Medicaid, the odds of you being a provider not taking those one of those two pools or both is very, very low. And... Uh, in fact, you kind of see a little bit of a single-payer system developing with this because it's such a huge percentage of the market, and it's growing. So what percentage do you think it is? Medicare, Medicaid, of the health insurance market, what is it? I don't know. If I was to take a guess, I'd say it's greater than 50%. And when you talk about risk and reward, you, you mean the risk from audits and, and paybacks and stuff like that or, or lawsuits? Or what do you mean by risk? Well, you know, you sometimes you see Medicare and Medicaid come back and say, guess what? We're not going to pay for that anymore. So we actually saw this in Idaho where uh, state Medicaid, they had been reimbursing for 10 plus years to podiatrists for these orthotics. And then all of a sudden they decided, guess what? We're not going to pay for those anymore. In fact, we shouldn't have ever paid for those for the last 10 years and you might have to pay us back. For 10 years. For 10 years. So I thought like, you know, with taxes, it's three years for, for medical records, it's seven years, but is, can the government go back to the beginning of time? Apparently they think they can. So I don't know. I mean, obviously there's going to be a giant lawsuit over this and there's going to be, you know, they've already reached out to to their legal team and all that kind of stuff, the podiatrist in large, but it's, it's, it's just really incompetence on Medicaid's part, you know, to go back and change the rules. And in fact, I remember I was on a call with Medicaid probably been about uh, six months ago with another client. We were asking a specific question about being reimbursed for a specific code. And we had already got an answer on that code, but now we got a different Medicaid person and they're answering it differently. And they wouldn't really give us an answer. She just read the definition over and over again, like we're supposed to understand it. And we said, that's what the last person did. And they said that what we were doing the first time was fine, but now you're saying it's not fine. I go, how, how are we supposed to know? And, and basically, I think it had something to do, if I remember correctly, on uh, allergies. And I just, I just told the lady, I said, hey, all you're basically doing is t- we're just not going to offer this treatment to Medicaid patients. Yeah, That's, I call, I call yeah. that compensation slavery, Yeah, right? Yeah. So if you're really dialed into the system, which is one of the reasons I'm, I left, which I want to talk to you about that coming up. But when you can't offer a service because it's not clear or you're not sure on the compensation the confused mind can't take an action step, right? Like, and, right. and so the providers are like, oh, you know, I really want to offer the service or I want to do this. And, and this is frequently what happens within our clinic system. So we, we are really dedicated to finding the best things that we know if we can do for patients. The only reason, the only way that I could do that was for me to leave the system because I saw what was happening with 
well, we wanted to do, you know, this exam or we wanted to do this blood test. And then the insurance company's like, no, 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 no. And it's causing all of this confusion. And I recognize, look, this, this is going to make it so that some people can't come into the office. But for the people that do come here so that I can offer the best service, I can't have those chains on. So for the provider like the, that you're going through that's in, and it's an allergy procedure or an allergy code, you tell the lady, look, we can't offer the service. Like it's beneficial to the patient. What was her response? Well, I don't know if we actually took this to the patient. I was just telling the Medicaid person, like, hey, yeah. we wouldn't be able to offer this. And But it goes to the point of this is that um, as Medicare and Medicaid and other insurances start putting more uh, constraints about what you can offer. So here's another example. And I don't know that this actually played out, but I had heard that this year in 2023, the Delta Dental was not going to offer that any treatments on the front 12 teeth, like the, you know, the top six and the top bottom, the ones facing you, they were going to call anything done on those, even if it was like a cavity fix, a uh, cosmetic procedure. Now, how they were getting away with that, I have no clue. But it, it goes to the point that the insurance company is not looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. And it makes me wonder if the insurance companies in large are starting to have some financial problems because I do think more and more of the market is going into Medicare and Medicaid. And I I kind of am wondering if they're having some consolidation between these groups. And because you're seeing some of the younger people just like not even take insurance at all. So some of the healthy people are saying, hey, I'm opting out. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do my own path. Um, the sick people, of course, they want all in, right? And they're going to consume all the services. And so you're looking for them coming up with creative ways to try to save their bottom line or keep the profits they used to, they used to keep. And so they're going to offer, you're going to, I think you're going to see insurance offer less and less and less services. And they're already doing it in a really tricky way. And that's by raising the deductible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they have this deductible wall and every year the deductible wall goes up and up and up. And they think that patient A, you know, you know, call the patient James or something. And James, maybe he could hurdle the deductible wall in 2000 and he could still hurdle it in 2010. But 2020, it's like, okay, your deductible 7,000 or 10,000 or whatever it might be. It's like, I can't hurdle that. So you want me to pay a thousand, two thousand dollars a month for insurance and pay another $10,000. It's like, I can't afford that. I'll just, you know, the, some people are going to buy one of these like Christian ministry plans or they're going to buy, or they're just going to brave it. And so if that's the case, the insurance companies are offering such a terrible product. It's really a high deductible product. It's really a catastrophic product, but I don't know that they quite realize that. They're offering a, a pre-form of catastrophic insurance, which I think we all want in the market, but people are too used to insurance saying, um, um, you know, you go to the doctor and say, well, submit it to insurance and see what happens. Right. Well, I'm trying to tell my clients, you can't do that anymore. Not, not anymore. You got to like ask, you got to at least estimate what you think insurance is going to do. And it's January, it's February, it's March. Uh, how much of their deductibles met? None of it. So you have to ask for payment right then and there. And the patients are not used to this. And so it involves some role playing in the office to get used to the front desk saying, hey, okay, well, you need to pay me now. And, well, I want you to process the insurance and see if they're going to say, and like, well, we already know that they're going to say you have to pay it all. Okay, so if you're a doctor and you're running a business and you don't get your money now, well, it's a pain to go collect it later. It costs you money to go collect it later. Plus, it causes you cash flow problems if you don't have the money now. And, you, and they have to get used to asking for the money. But a lot of doctors are not good at this. They're not good at asking for the money. It's a really foreign thing to them. And um, I think that's a disservice of insurance companies because insurance companies have kind of trained doctors, you know, like the Pavlov thing. They've trained them not to ask for the money. But right. like we're at the point now where doctors have to completely change their mentality about how they run and operate a business. And then when that translates into the consumer world. So let me let me give you an example myself. Like, so as a natural integrative healthcare doctor, I don't use traditional healthcare services very often. I mean, I, I'm not, a, I'm not anti-medicine, right. but I'm like, okay, I want to like do what I can. So years ago, my wife and I got, you know, a, we, at the time a catastrophic policy was a $10,000 policy and we were still paying, I, I felt a ton for that policy. Didn't use it for years. Then I have some twins that arrive in the world. One of them had some complications. They ended up in the, both of them ended up in the neonatal intensive care 
And I'm like, okay, I just got out of school. I, um, at the time, this was 2003. So I got out in 2000 and I'm trying to figure out how do I navigate that coming up with 10,000? And it wasn't because what the insurance company said, oh, no, 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 it's 10,000 a life. It's 10,000 for your wife, 10,000 for um, your son one and 10,000 for son two. Now, over time, I was able to service that. And thank goodness I had catastrophic because it ended up being like $380,000, you know, hospital system. Right. And I got my twins, which are like, they're unbelievable. So you guys, we, we started off talking about this. We got to get ready to go to break. You're listening to Dr. Jason West and Carl Sutter on Voice America. It's America's Healer Station. We're going into our first break. What we've been talking about is how you can navigate the insurance system as a consumer. Now, Carl has a lot of experience helping underneath the hood for doctor's offices, but we're going to come back and we're going to be talking about some things that you can do as a consumer and some things that you need to know on how to reduce and contain escalating medical costs as you, the buyer. So it's the Dr. Jason West show on Voice America. We'll be coming right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Everything you know about the medical industry is about to change. That is when you tune in to America's Healer with Dr. Jason West. Dr. West will challenge the currently accepted status quo of medical procedures and remedies, and you'll learn about medicinal topics from a whole new perspective. America's Healer with Dr. Jason West, Fridays at 12 p.m. on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You're listening to America's Healer with Dr. Jason West. If you have a question for Dr. West or his guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the America's Healer radio show. I am Dr. Jason West. I am joined in studio with my friend and my advisor, Carl Stoddard, and we are talking about healthcare, health insurance. We started off in the first segment and we talked about when people go to the doctor, they think the doctor's getting the lion's share of either the fees or the insurance. And what Carl said is they're not. Like it's actually that they're getting squeezed the most. We also talked about how there's literally kind of a two-payer system. There's private insurance, there's Medicare and Medicaid. And so many times what's happening is doctors are practicing medicine as dictated by their insurance. Well, what is insurance going to cover this exam code or this procedure code or anything like that? And I said, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get out of healthcare so that I could be true to the patient in front of me. I just want to provide the services that I know that they need and I know that will help them. And I didn't want to have to ask, you know, quote, big brother, unquote, whether I could do a procedure exam code or anything else. But one of the things that Carl brought up in the first segment that I wanted to come back and, and circulate on or talk about was, you know, basically this, this system where it's kind of a high deductible plan, even though no one really wanted that initially. And maybe we want to talk about some 
you know, health health uh, reimbursement plans and some cafeteria plans, some plex plans and some other stuff for, for the consumers. But before we get to there, what I wanted to talk about was, you know, where where is this health insurance things going? Like you, you said, maybe we're going to be developing into a government pay system and a private pay system, but it's not an easy thing to fix, is it? Uh, I think it's impossible to fix. I think that, I kind of think that the teams have already been designed. And I, and I personally think just looking at the numbers and looking at the way that deductible is growing, that we're really moving into kind of a single payer-ish system. You know, maybe you have the government payer system, you have an insurance payer system, which mimics it or is very close. And then you have a cash pay system. And so the way I kind of like to think of it is this, is you've got like public education and you've got private education. And you know that if you go to public education, you just kind of get what you get, right? You you might get some options on courses if your kids are in school, but generally you just kind of have to take what they give you. Whereas when you're in private education, you have a lot more um, control over the content that your you know your student is going to learn, the type of learning that they're going to learn. You just have more control. Okay, so we have this government system and this private system. And so in the government system, you just kind of get what you get. So what does this mean looking out five or 10 years? Here's what I think is going to happen is I think a lot of doctors are going to raise the white flag. Those that are taking, um, um, and they're going to say, listen, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And so they're going to sell to a hospital group or they're going to sell to um, a DSO or an MSO or something like that. One of these big uh, Okay. So, so for everybody listening, define a DSO and do an MSO. Okay, so a DSO would be like a dental service organization. An MSO is the same thing. It's a medical service organization. So these are big groups that come in and they'll might buy like a whole bunch of pediatric dentists or dermatologists or podiatrists. And so... Well, it's kind of like what's happening in the farming world, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're having these big things, um, buying up the the little solo farmers and, and we're going to this huge consolidation. And, and I've seen this just in the 23 years that I've been in practice. Like there's a lot of guys that have been bought out by medical service organizations or the hospital system. And, uh, and I'm really curious, what do you think that's going to do to healthcare? Is that good? Is that bad? Is what happens to the quality? Where's that going? Well, I think it depends on who's running the, the uh, service organization. So if you have like, like let's say dentists or medical people running the service organization, it actually has potential to be good. But if you have finance guys running it, you know, I'm a finance guy. They're just going to care about the bottom line and the number, right? They're going to care about maximizing the profit and then giving that profit out to people who really aren't doctors. And so you wonder where the money's going. It's not always going to the doctors because if there's a private equity group involved, that money's going to non-doctors for sure, you know? And so, um, you know, so going back to this idea, like I do think there's going to be a lot of small practices that sell out to these bigger groups and maybe even hospitals, and the hospitals, it's not really fair because I think like, let's say a, a hospital close to us, they get paid like a, a lot higher rate for the same thing. So you have a doctor that's in town, he sells to this hospital that's considered rural. And now all of a sudden they get a higher rate because it's rural. So that's not good for the taxpayer. So now as a taxpayer, I'm paying more because I have to pay this rural fee that didn't exist before. And so it's just, you know, people finding tricks to work around this, but those big hospital groups they have management to pay. They've got big facilities to pay. And do they care about healthcare? Yeah, I think they do, but it's not going to be the same as, as uh, going to your local provider. You know, it's All just right. not the same. All right, Mr. Numbers guy question here for you. Okay. So I'm a consumer and, uh, and you're looking at, you know, numbers and I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'm going to be forced whether by choice, mostly by force into a higher deductible plan. And you made kind of a, a funny comment on their break that, uh, and funny is not the right word because nothing in this situation is funny, but you made the comment of, you know, healthcare insurance is going to end up being like auto insurance. So what did you mean by that? Okay. Well, I think healthcare insurance should be like auto insurance. Okay. So if I have auto insurance, I know I better have it because if I get in a wreck and somebody gets hurt and I don't have it, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm financially maybe going to go bankrupt. Right. So I have to have it for that case. And, you know, I have five children. So I have one that lives with me now, a couple that we still have insurance on and whatnot. And I'm like, I better have insurance on all of my drivers. And so just to protect myself financially, it's a financial decision that we all have to do. Yeah. I hope I never have to use it. 
because I know as soon as I use it or I get a speeding ticket or something like that, my rate goes up. Okay. So if I dinged my truck, which I did, well, I'm not going to submit an insurance claim because I don't want my insurance rate to go up. So I'm just going to go find some guy to fix it and say, Hey, how much can you fix this for? You know, it's all going to be a cash type of deal, which is a little bit lower rate. And so I'm looking to solve a lot of my own problems without using the insurance. I have it there if I absolutely need to use it in a catastrophic situation, but I'm hoping to not use that. Um, additionally, like, you know, I'm going to go get my oil change every six months. I'm going to get my tires rotated on time. I'm going to take care of my car. But you're not submitting those to your insurance. And uh, I, of course I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Nobody would, but like some people, they have, they buy a nice vehicle and they do, actually don't change the oil and they actually don't rotate the tires and like you just spent a lot of money on a nice truck or something. It's like, why wouldn't you? So, and you liken that to the body, right? Like exactly. you get one body. Yeah. You get one. You get one. You can't upgrade. And and you can't like, it's, it's hard to change the oil. I mean, I guess you could get an organ transplant, a heart transplant and everything else, but you're never the same no, after that. So, one. so likening that back to like the, you know, part of the problem with this, this is, is that we've taken the consumerism, we've taken market forces out of healthcare. Like, cause again, in the Merce, my dad would call it the Mercedes eighties where, you know, for the doctors, that's when it was the golden age, whatever they submitted, you know, insurance paid for. And, uh, and then there was some abuse and then they put in caps and, you know, MCOs, managed care organizations and health maintenance organizations started to come in. But, but what, who suffered the most is the two guys on each ends of the spectrum or the two people. It's, it's not the middle guy that got hurt. It wasn't, you know, I would make the argument. It wasn't the administration. It was the consumer, the patient, and the guy that's given the services or the gal that's given the services. And, and all of a sudden we have a, a system. That, I mean, it's kind of like England. I lived in England for a while and they have, you know, a national healthcare organization and I've been in that hospital system. Then they have a completely separate system, which is all private. And, and it's a, you know, kind of a cash and carry model. But now you're the consumer in the middle that's like, hey, I'm supposed to get benefits for my job or I'm supposed to be having insurance. I mean, it's not quite like auto insurance where by law you have to have it. But for instance, like with our twins, when our twins were born, if we didn't have insurance, like I'm wiped out. Like I would be you right. know, medically bankrupt. The biggest causes of personal bankruptcies in the United States is medical bankruptcies. So... It, do you have any advice for consumers? Like it, it, is you buy a high deductible and then you try and like find the doctors that you, and you pay those doctors. Is that, is that what's happening? Well, I think if I was to advise consumers, one is, uh, you know, I have a, somebody that, that I know I'm not going to say who it is, but they were saying, yeah, I'm going to get rid of insurance. And I understand how much it costs. I'm like, yeah, you can't get rid of insurance. I go, because if something bad happens, you are, you're screwed. I go, you got, you have to have it. Um, I realize it's unfair. It is unfair. So, but you have to have it just to protect yourself on that potential downside of things going really bad. So what is, what should a consumer do? Well, they need to change their oil in their car. They need to get their tires rotated. They need to get their brakes fixed. So basically. I so think, are you saying go to the gym, brush your teeth, eat healthy and alive yeah, foods? Yeah, exactly. That's what you're saying. Yeah, right? I mean, people have to take care of themselves and. And it's when you're young, you think you're invincible, right? And you don't think you need to. But as you get older, you realize you have to. Well, and I just yeah. had this happen with a patient today, 80 years old. And he was saying, man, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have like done a lot better job taking care of better myself. Like now I'm falling apart. My, my knees are shot from, you know, athletic stuff. My shoulders shot because I fell over. Like my hips, you know, my, and, and it, I've heard that statement so many times from people. And this is why in our office we are preach so much prevention. You know, you need a lot of water. Water is like oil for the system. And by the way, you can't get the water out of energy drinks and milkshakes and everything else. Even though I really do like milkshakes, like I, 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 I don't think that you should be. And then the other thing is to the extent possible, like that statement of an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Like it's really coming true in 2023. For sure. And I think that, you know, we all just went through COVID, right? And so, um, COVID, um, obviously, a lot of unfortunate illness and sickness and whatnot. But, like, I, you know, I have a daughter that was eight, 17, 16, 17, and uh, I think she's in a good family. Yeah, 
it was amazing mentally how hard that was on her. And here I'm thinking, man, you're in a good family, and this still got you. It really got you, and it really got a lot of people. And uh, some people uh, bounced well with COVID. They found a time to rejuvenate themselves and learn some new skills, and other people just went into the depths of despair. And I think that sometimes we think we're out of the COVID mindset or mentality, and I'm totally convinced we are not. I think it is getting worse, actually. And so uh, um, people have got to take care of themselves physically and mentally. I don't think you really have a choice. And I believe in this enough. I'm actually taking a lot of action myself, trying to eat better, eat more healthy, exercise uh, more regularly, you know, all those types of things. And that's kind of the nice thing about, uh, you know, providers like Dr. West is, you know, you have your, your IVs and you have your, uh, your supplements and all that kind of stuff. And those people that aren't taking those, you, you need to do the preventative side. And, I, and I'm glad you brought up the preventative side because when I do talk to doctors, I kind of outline three um, areas of medicine. And so we have like preventive medicine, we have what I call restorative medicine, and we have what I call enhancement medicine. Okay, so in the 20th century, we've really just really all focused on what I call restorative medicine. So like you get hurt, hey, we can help you get better. Um, you know, your joint doesn't work. Okay, we can put in a new joint. And it's some amazing stuff they can do. It really is. It's just mind-blowing stuff they can do. Yet we have lost the restorative stuff. Oh, sorry, we've lost the preventative stuff. And I don't know why restorative took over preventative, but somehow it did. And it's like, well, we need to have preventative and restorative. Well, and I think that know? maybe a, a fourth component of that is emergency medicine. So yeah. like you would have um, preventative medicine, restorative medicine, I don't know exactly. You didn't call it cosmetic, but enhancement. Well, it's like, okay, we have, I can make a joke there, but let's say like eyesight's 20, 20. Well, there might be a point where I can get 10 over 20 or eight over 20. I can get something that maybe naturally rarely occurs because they're getting so good with this stuff, you know, maybe right. hearing. I, you see that kind of stuff developing with the technology is, you know, you can restore Sometimes it's kind of nuanced. It could go on one side of the aisle, but like if someone doesn't have hearing, they weren't born with it. Um, some people might say oh, that's restorative because that's normally what humans have, but other people will say, you know, that's enhancement. They never had it. So, I mean, you could take it both ways, but you're seeing some things that they're able to do that's just amazing, but we still need to have all three, preventative, restorative, and enhancements. Right, and, and what was fascinating to me about the insurance world is so it felt like when we when we were involved in it, they're like, you know what, we're going to pay for this, you know, bypass. We're going to pay for this open heart surgery, et cetera. But we're not going to pay for, you know, any of the things that we know will help the heart. We're not going to pay for the pycnogenols or the phytonutrients or the CoQ10 or the essential fatty acids that we like. The literature is showing like this really, really healthy to do for your heart. But the, the insurance ma- ma- machine was like, oh, no, no, no. We, we, we pay for, quote, real medicine. And so a lot of time, I mean, I, another example, I had a lady come in t- to the office that has a family history of what they call familial hyperlipidemia. So she has a gene where they make tons and tons of fat and cholesterol. And so she, she, her brother has a heart attack. Um, her sister has a heart attack. Her mom, her mom, uh, I think was relatively healthy, but her dad died really early, like 40 or something like that. So after their siblings have a heart attack, she comes into the office and, and she's like, I'm really frustrated. I'm like, what happened? She's like, well, I went and saw my specialist and he said, well, your liver enzymes aren't very high. You haven't had a stroke. You haven't had a heart attack. So, you know what eat better and, and here we should probably give you this drug and we'll see you when something happens. And she was like, hey, I can't do that. Like, we got to do something more aggressive. And then she's like, and, but my insurance company says, well, we don't pay for anything like that. So you guys, we're heading into break. That was just finished up segment two. We're covering different financial aspects of healthcare. Yes, it's heavily doctor and, and provider related, but we are want to talk about consumers and some consumer trips and how you can navigate some of these financial pitfalls as best you can, either through a health maintenance, excuse me, health reimbursement arrangement, a flex plan, a cafeteria plan, Christian ministries. We talked just a little bit about it's the Dr. Jason West on America's Healer with my friend Carl Stoddard inside the studio and we'll pick you up over the next break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine Miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you feeling confused by all the medical information out there? Listen to Healthy Wealthy You to learn strategies that will help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. It's you living your best life. Healthy Wealthy You with host Dr. Camille Vardy. Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You're listening to America's Healer with Dr. Jason West. If you have a question for Dr. West or his guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show. It's the Dr. Jason West Show. I'm America's Healer. I'm on Voice America. And if you don't hear this live, remember you can pick us up on Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and tune me in. I'm so excited to be covering this segment. It's a little different than what we've done before. We've talked about, you know, arthritis and rusty hinge arthritis. Then we had, you know, Shelby come in and she's the world's greatest nurse practitioner. We talked about COVID long haul. Then we had a Dr. Scott Nelson as a guest talking about energy. And by the way, you guys can pick up any of these episodes on our Voice America channel or uh, across any of the syndications. Also, you can pick it right up on our podcast that's on our website, westcliniconline.com, which, by the way, if I start talking fast and you can, you can pick this up in a transcription that we offer inside of our clinic system as well, but that being said, I am joined by a financial guru that's in our office. He helps me. Actually, he's the one that gave the radio show the name. So, Carl, well, maybe we should talk about this. This is kind of a funny thing. I told you I got invited to do this um, radio show, and I started saying, I'm going to call it this. I'm going to call it B. I'm going to call it C. I'm going to call it D. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is what you're going to call it. Like, So why did you tell me to call it that? It was just nobody claimed it yet. And I'm very impressed with you. And I thought, just own it. Yeah. So yeah. I so I decided, all right, so it's uh, americashealer.com is where that came from. I wanted to give, you know, Carl um, props for doing that. We've been talking about finances and insurance and at a high level, the, the mess that healthcare is in right now. And so when we were on break and we were kind of like, okay, let's plan out our third segment. We wanted to talk about a couple things, you know, what healthcare looks like how we navigate it, why you need to proverbially change your oil and and do your maintenance and preventative. And then Carl said, yeah, and then we're going to have this big impact on artificial intelligence that's coming in, which I'm trying to keep up and I'm really techie. And my kids were like, hey, dad, you really should check out, you know, chat GPT and you should check out, you know, all of these artificial things, which I've dabbled slightly in it. And all it has done for me really is make me think, oh my gosh, this is like, I don't know how it's going to impact. Obviously it's here to stay. Like it's not going anywhere, but so let's just start picking up those questions one at a time. Like we're, we're trying to help the consumer recognize, Hey, it's a quagmire that the insurance company is watching out for the insurance company. And, and we need insurance, but it's kind of like auto insurance. Like you, you want to have it, but you never want to use it. Right. And which I got a text from one of our listeners here that said, hey, Dr. West, is it true that if you use health insurance, are your rates going to go up just like car insurance? Do you know if that happens? I don't think that's happening quite yet, but 
um, if you're using more, like if you have a more serious condition, like a heart condition or an expensive condition, and you change companies or your company lets you go, yeah, you're going to have a problem getting insured. You just might have a, you know, you're going to have a problem getting insured. Which is also kind of fascinating because I've had, um, I have a couple companies in our region that will bring people in that are high users of healthcare and say, look, I, Dr. West, I need you to help them to get off the medications and, and if, if at all possible. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But they're, those employers are reaching into their pockets and, paying, and they're saying, look, if we can help them to be healthier so that they need less health, it's going to pay off in the long run. And yeah, it's been really interesting to me. Well, that actually makes sense to me because uh, there are companies and the insurance companies say, hey, if you can keep your, um, the amount of you know, premiums that we have to pay out, you know, the benefit out, if you can limit that, then we'll give some back to you as a savings. And so you're just kind of crossing your fingers, hoping that nobody has uh, a serious injury that year, because it only takes one or two employees to have a serious injury. And unfortunately, even having a baby sometimes punishes you. And so your insurance, um, you don't get the kickback, if you will, from the insurance. So that makes total sense to me if they have some people that are high abusers, if you will, or users of uh, health insurance that they will come to you to say, hey, help this person get healthy because they know there's a financial incentive for them. My guess is that's what's going on. Yeah, matter yeah. of fact, yeah. here's a perfect example of what happened. So I had an employer come in and say, hey, Dr. West, I have a small company. We, we need to offer benefits to stay competitive. I have you know, literally one employee that spends more than any other of my other, I think, 26 employees combined. I have one, and I want you to help him. And so this was an interesting scenario because I said, well, what's wrong? And he's like, well, he's on 27 different medications and um, they are, they're not cheap. They are right. like, you know, eight, ten thousand $10,000 a month. Not all of them, but the, some of them are, you know, $10,000 a month. And, uh, and I said, okay, we'll send him in. So of course I, he comes into the office and I was thinking it was going to be some type of autoimmune disorder, et cetera. And he said, no, um, what happens is I mutilate myself. And I was like, dang it, like, why did I open my mouth? Why did I tell my friend, the employer, that I could, like, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. Like, what am I going to yeah. do? Like, how do I help? Them? And I could, and I don't know if it was desperation or inspiration. I could literally hear my dad saying, well, you need to be a doctor. That's what you need to do instead of, and so I went in, I'm like, all right, well, let's like start unraveling this. And I'm like, so to walk me through a day of your life. Well, here's what was happening is he was having some sleep problems. So they were, you know, gave him some stuff to sleep and then he couldn't get up in the morning. So they'd give him stuff to, you know, get him going. And then there was some immune, so like there was just a whole bunch of things, five different doctors that were all trying to do in their own specialties. And, and we were just having a whole bunch of conflicting medicines. I'm like, well, tell me what you eat every day. And he's like, well, you know, I, I don't really eat. I just drink things. I'm like, well, what are you drinking? He's like, well, Dr. Pepper. I'm like, okay, well, how much Dr. Pepper are you drinking? He's like, well, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I'm like, well, you know, it's safe in here. I'm not using anybody's names. I'm not using anybody company names. Or any, anyway, it's like, yeah, you know, I drink six to seven six-packs a day. Wow. And I'm like, okay, well, you know that it's healthy. He's like, well, that's the only way that I can function. And I think that he was getting so much sugar and caffeine. Like, this is what started the process. Then they were trying to shut him off, shut him off at night so that he could sleep. There was so much stimulants going in that when he was taking the medications, it was partially turning him off. He was hallucinating, so he'd take you know knives and dig stuff out, and then he'd be in the in and out of the ER, and then he'd have all these other psychiatric medicines. Like it was, and I'm like, hey, well, like let's just start at the beginning. Like let's just have a plan to get you off Dr. Pepper. It's one of my greatest success stories. Because literally, we got him off the Dr. Pepper. We got order his life. We got him to go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, off all medications. I mean, we got him healthy. But no, he said, I've been to so many different, no one, not one doctor ever asked me, what's your life like and what do you eat? The whole time, I'm like, well, sometimes it's just a little neglected, like nutrition and, and preventative medicine. It's, it's not sexy in medical school or residency or, or any of these programs. And so, like, we think it's important, but, I mean, that was just a fun case. Carl, let me ask you this. You, you have an interesting insight into the, the doctor side. Obviously, you're your own consumer. You're committed to making yourself healthy and, and, and getting your family healthy and saying, look, we've got to change the oil. We've got to do maintenance. Because even though we have insurance, like I'm assuming it's, you, you don't have the lowest deductible plan. I know you wouldn't. No, no, but like 
even if you do have like great insurance, that isn't going to help you feel great. You still have to do your part. So, I mean, you could have the greatest insurance program in the world. You could have the greatest doctor in the world. You could have everything great, but if you're not going to be committed to your health, it doesn't kind of matter. And so like you have to be like, I think the patient's most important um, health is themselves taking control of their health, whatever that might be. And they have to own their own health. I think that's like my number one message to patients is you have to own your own health. Yeah, you, you have to blame it on else. Yeah. Right. And, and this is something we were also talking about on the break. My dad told me that this is going to happen. I didn't understand what he meant when I first heard it. He said, you think you know a lot. You put your 10 years of school in. You know, I came out. I've, I've got two doctoral degrees. I've got, you know, my, my – residency my internship i've got advanced training in acupuncture and oxidative medicine and he's like you that's a great foundation but you wait till you run into someone that has a disease and they go to town on it and then what happens is they start schooling all the doctors they start and i've had i, I mean i would say 80 percent of my education in the last 23 years is people saying i learned this i learned this and i'm filing it away so the next time someone comes in with a condition um and you and you need to turn into your own advocate you need to know what your medicines are. You need to know what your options are. Yeah, I mean, somebody that has a very unique condition or somebody who wants a very profound outcome, they are going to do a lot of research. Yeah. And that, and that's part of being your own patient, right? I mean, so depending on what the outcome you want, you have to be your own patient to kind of fine-tune it to yourself because I don't know that any provider can necessarily, they can maybe get you to 80 or 90%, but the fine-tuning is going to is going to come from the patient and so the patient has to own their own health care and and you can't look for somebody else to help you out and maybe that's one of the unfortunate things in our society is we look for the government to do it for us and like there are just some things the government will never be able to do for you well not only that but also you know this this uh basically universal knowledge that's available at fingertips right where and i've seen this change from like the internet was a big deal in you know the 90s and 2000 when i came out no question not near what it is now but but right now, when you tell someone something, like the, a lot of times I'll leave the room to go grab an assistant or a book or something like that. And people are, you know, they're up on Google. They're like, hey, you know, I'm, this is what I'm researching, which we talked out in the break that like that's such a good thing. And, you know, you can find anything you want on any position on any issue right. on the Google. You, wanna, you, you got all the stuff about God. You got all the stuff about Satan or, or atheism right. or whatever. I'm just using that as an example. So we've got about five minutes left. Just a question for you. What do you think healthcare looks like in 10 years? That's question one. Then I'll ask you another question after that. Okay. So I kind of think it's going to be more like the England model that you just did. You described a minute ago that it's going to be maybe these big hospital groups. Um, you'd be paying your premium into the government and you're going to get the benefit they decide you can get. If you have more means and more money, then you can go to a private professional who can give you much better options. And so, you know, anybody with the right mind is going to choose the people, the private people, but expect to pay cash for that because they're, they're not going to be in the system. They're going to want cash based. Uh, that's how it's going to be because, and you would say, well, why don't they take both was because it's expensive to take both. I, I guess the insurance probably costs an office at least an extra 20%, maybe 15 to 25%, depending on the office. That's how much it costs them in software and labor and people just to, for the privilege of taking insurance. It's not free. And so if you go to a cash-based person, they don't have that burden um, of overhead on them. And so, uh, but I think that's kind of what it's going to look like. But then I want to interject a third person, and that is the, per- the person themselves has got to own their own health care as far as um, what they eat, how they exercise, the supplements, you know, doing the IVs, all that kind of stuff. They have to own that themselves because uh, it's just like the car, right? getting the oil changed, uh, getting the tires rotated, getting the brakes changed. Well, that's what we have to do with our bodies. And we have to like take care of them the best that we possibly can. Cause you can't go buy a new car. You can't buy a new body. You get one and you have to take care of it the best you can. Second question is this uh, whole new breakthrough with artificial intelligence and chat GPT and, and Otter AI and all of this stuff like that. Like, I'm really curious, how would you forecast or, or how do you think that's going to impact? And, and granted, like that's like asking someone in the 80s what the Internet's going to do to the world. But like, 
You're up on names. Tell me about artificial well, intelligence and healthcare. I, okay, so I've studied a little bit. I think it's going to be revolutionary. I think they're going to find breakthroughs into health that uh, nobody's thought about or saw before. And um, they're going to open up a lot of new angles, maybe to solve diseases and things like that. I don't know that they're necessarily – they might be on a very customized personal level as well. Like they might say, hey, this is what you need to do for your body to be – your ultimate health because we are all a little bit different chemically but i watched this uh there's uh on youtube there's this uh show called alpha go i don't know if you've heard of it or seen it okay so basically there's a guy as a chess player and that's one of the hardest games in the world but go it's supposedly much harder and so he was developing some ai to challenge the greatest go players in the world and so he went to, i think it was the asian champion or something like that a european champion and he had his AI, and he played the, the, this champion, and he beat him. And like, okay. It was kind of unexpected, and, of course, that champion was kind of, like, surprised because this, this game is very sophisticated. There's rankings, and there's, like, we know who the best is, and so they went after the best guy in the world. And uh, the best guy in the world, very confident guy, and he just thought there's no way this thing can beat him at first. Well, it beat him. They played five games, beat him the second game, beat him the third game. But they learned something, too, because the Go players, when they were playing the other players, they had developed this idea, well, I need to beat them by, like, the highest score possible. But the computer was like, no, we just need to beat you. It doesn't matter by the score. We just have to beat you by one. And so as silly as that sounds, that kind of revolutionized the game because now people are playing it different. I just have to play, beat you by, by one, not by a huge score. Okay, so if I remember correctly... Um, I think it was the second or third game. Because, you know, people think, well, computers can't do something creative. Well, it did. It did a move that everybody's like, well, why did it do that move? And uh, it ended up being a pretty interesting creative move. So you think that's coming to healthcare? Well, I came there. I I can only assume it come here. And you read, I read a lot of sci-fi, and so that seems a little bit out of character that um, AI could maybe be creative. It's it's an interesting idea. And so... uh, in the fourth game, the human won. And everybody was like, couldn't believe it. They, they just kind of like right. yielded the white flag. Hey, right, the humans right. can't win. But he won. And everybody's thought like, you know, his legend, I think at least people just thought, wow, this guy is like unbelievable. He actually beat the computer. Because you, you have to realize is every game, the computer was getting smarter. Right. It was playing this world champion. So it was improving. So the fact that it beat him in the fourth game was pretty interesting. And then the fifth game, I'm, I think he lost again. But um, everybody was benefited by it. So uh, I think that uh, it's going to change the world. And I'm going to say something since we're talking about this AI thing. It's, it's, we're off healthcare for a second. But okay, So why did Elon Musk buy Twitter? I think it was to develop an AI. Well, that leaves us with a yeah. you know a dangling question. Everybody, it's been uh, Carl Stotter, Doctor CFO. You can see him on YouTube. You can see him on Facebook. Best places of website is drcfo.com. He's been my guest inside of the studio on the America's Healer program. I'm Doctor Jason West, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. America's healer, Dr. Jason West, will be back next week to share more of his expertise. So don't miss it. Until then, have a great week.